love as I love Easter. I love Christmas. I love the kind of the big Sundays. The uh, it feels like Super Bowl time almost. It's the time when we're everybody and all the teams of the church, all the programs of the church. Everybody's doing something big, and we're reaching for as many people as possible and hoping to see as many lives changed as possible. So I'm just going to ask you to help me as we get a little bit nearer to, um, to Easter to raise your expectation of the harvest. The Bible tells us that the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the workers. I want to be one of the people who are helping bring in the harvest, not for this church, but for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven, for what God wants to do in people's lives. So how many of you guys are with me? Okay, I heard about six or eight. That's good. That's all it takes. (laughs) No, we're going to do something really, really big this year. And uh, I want to take another minute to look into the camera and say welcome to all of the uh, online campus people. We're glad that you're joining us today. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We love you and we love that we can connect over the internet and everybody in the room here loves you. And uh, looking forward to seeing you face to face and eye to eye and being able to share some time together with you. And I'll also I'm like so, so, so excited for the Dream Team party. So Pastor Angela got you guys pumped up, but it is going to be as usual. It's going to be a ball. I told him all we have to do is beat last time, but it feels like every single Dream Team party is getting better and better and better. We had a roasted pig last time, y'all, and a mechanical bull and other, like, it just, <laughs> so many <laughs> exciting things. So y'all know it's going to be a lot better this year because that's our goal every year is to just top last year. So with that said, I'm going to dive right into a brand new series because I want to take as much of my time as possible and I want to talk about um, I want to talk about what this new series means. It's going to be it's almost like part two or continuation of our last series. And um, I, I don't want to rehash last series because man, what what an awesome step by step we took through faith and what it looks like to be faithful. But uh, I, I want to give you guys this morning right up front. I want for this first in the series. I want for this message, I want to present an idea to you. And it's a really big, it's a game-changing idea. It's one of those, it's not like an everyday sermon idea. This is not like, okay, guys, here's the sermon for today. No, this is like the big idea. This is probably the biggest idea for all year. This is probably the biggest idea in the Bible. This is, you see, You'll, you'll start to have your eyes open. That's my prayer, is that your eyes will be open and that your ears will be open and that you'll see things differently today. But sometimes when you get a big idea, sometimes when you get a game-changing idea, you either can't see it right away. Come on, somebody. Like computers, right? Some people said, why would I ever need email? I could just talk to people. Right? Because a game changer comes along and we don't notice how important or how big or how powerful it is right away. I'll give you another example. Sometimes we get uh, satisfied with the way things are, and it's because we don't know that there is another better way. We don't understand, we, we don't quite see, we don't make the connections that this other way is way better because we're kind of entrenched in our current way. So uh, I'll just ask a question right here that also may upset you a little bit, and that is, how many of you guys love a good hamburger? Okay, I'm all about, about 15 years or so, I decided I'm going to go find all the best hamburgers. Okay, so we just started, even if it means I have to drive an hour, I'm going to go find the best hamburger. So we started asking, where's, where's your favorite hamburger? Where's your favorite hamburger? And I like hamburgers. If you would have asked me growing up, what's the best hamburger? We could argue about Whataburger or In-N-Out Burger or Burger King, Jack, like all the fast food burgers, but I have realized that there are way better burgers than those burgers. <laughs> Got some amens on that. All right. I finally made my, so I had a few people tell me, you got to check out this one place. It's been here for like a hundred years. I don't know exactly how many years, but how many of you guys know where Langford Grocery is in Houston? Some of you. Okay. It's amazing. <laughs> and I wanted to show you a picture, but I thought if I show them a picture, they'll all get up and leave and go eat a hamburger. I won't be able to sit through the service. Uh-huh. It's amazing, right? It's one of those places that it's like in, it used to be someone's house and then it was a grocery and then uh, they, they do like the biggest hamburgers you've ever seen. But 
back in my 20s, I finally, uh, I went and they had this burger you could get a fried egg on it. How many of you ever had a fried egg on your hamburger? Okay, all right, y'all with me. I'm going somewhere. Nowadays, everywhere you go, you can get a fried egg on your hamburger. But then this was like, I'm never having a burger without a fried egg again. This is a game changer. That Having that hamburger and then leaving, and then it like ruined all other hamburgers for me. <laughs> I hope that today's message is one of those things where you hear this idea and you try it, and then it ruins all the other things for you. It ruins the old way of doing it for you. And um, I think that that's what's supposed to happen. Some of us today, we're living for Jesus. We're living for God a certain way. And I'm going to show you that way. I'm going to talk about kind of the contrast between the way that you're living for God or the way that you are acting as a Christian or being a Christian and I want to just tell you, if you're taking notes today, this is our first answer. There is a better way. It's not just another way. It's not just, uh, here, here's two different ways. Try one. No, 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 no. There's a better way. It's almost like this. If I'm, in, if I'm using my way, sometimes I can think, well, my way is better because it's my way. The way I'm doing it, I'm all, it, like to change it would be too hard, so I'm just going to stay where I am. Sometimes, it, sometimes you could say either or, I'm just going to kind of stick where I'm at. That's almost like often you see that most often um, with babies. If you guys have babies, you know that. If you're parents, you know that babies, will st- they want to do it their way. I would rather use my diaper than a toilet, even though everybody who knows <laughs> knows that the toilet is better. And you can tell a baby, you want to use the toilet. Trust me, Nuh-uh, I want to use my diaper. It's much more convenient. There's some drawbacks to it, but as a baby, I don't care. I'd rather use my hands than a fork because I'm a baby. <laughs> Although you could try to convince that fork is way better. Trust me. Trust me on this. But until they do it and until they grow up and until they mature into it, right, we think childish ways are better. We think childish things are better until we actually try out the better way. We live with the better way for a little while. And then once we're there long enough, we're like, man, I can never go back to wearing a diaper, y'all, until I'm absolutely forced to, in which at some point I foresee that might happen. It's the same question that you could ask of the disciples. Why would you follow Jesus? Why would you, why wouldn't Jesus says, hey, come follow me, come do what I do? Why would they, why would they drop their lives and follow this rabbi? Not just because he had another way of living, not just because he had the different way, he had a better way. He had a way that in the same way, in the same way that a child will eventually see, okay, I got to get rid of the diapers. I got to get rid of the, the messiness and all of the, all the things I'm doing. I can feed myself. I can, like, I can grow up. I can mature. That's better when I grow up, when I live a life of maturity and leave those things behind. The same thing happens in our faith. The same thing happens in our walk of faith and how we follow Jesus. Not just what we do, but how we do it because it's a better way. And so when God starts working in us and we start following Jesus, we start to realize this this is a better way if we're following his way. Watch this. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. What's that very, the very first line? Let's read that together. He said, I am the way. The way. It's not just what we're doing in God, because I think a lot of times we get stuck on the, the truth of God or the truth of Jesus, and we want to stand on the truth. We want to drive the truth, into, but we forget about not just the truth of Jesus and the life of Jesus. We forget about the way of Jesus. Isaiah 55, even in the Old Testament, this was true. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. There's a difference between the way we do things. Declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways. Everybody say, my ways. 
my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it's not just the fact that there's two different ways, two different kinds of thinking. It is, it is night and day difference in that his ways are much higher and better. Higher is just another, another way of saying better. So when we follow him, when we actually start to watch his steps and let him lead us and we start following, we start to change, we start to get better. Our ways start to get, maturity happens. He shows us and then we get to choose. Are y'all with me? We get to choose. He doesn't force us to change. He's not standing around saying, I'm going to smash you with my hammer if you don't change. You don't do it my way, I'm going to break you. No, he says, like to any baby, you don't, you give them the option, and as they mature, they realize this, it's better to walk than crawl. Eventually, the baby gets strong enough and confident enough, and you give them the, con- no, you can do this. Let's, you ready? Let's take a step. You don't stand over and say, you take a step now, <laughs> because that doesn't work. And God's not standing over us saying, you better do it my way. He's not gritting his teeth at us. He gives us, the, he gives us the choice. The Old Testament says, I put before you life and death. Now choose. You get to choose. I get to choose. And so we can take the better way, or we can say, you know what, God? No, I prefer, I prefer crawling because walking's too. I prefer my diaper. I'm just going to stick with it for a while. And every way, every step along the way in our faith, God puts before us life and death. He puts before us, hey, here's your way, and there's a better way. And as we mature, as we grow in faith, as we take steps, as we get around people who are walking, then we start walking. Or we can just have that choice. I'm going to keep my diaper. You know, I need to go when I need to go, and I don't want to wait, and I don't want to have self-control. I don't want to have all of the, uh, the pain that comes along with that. I want to I be able to say whatever I want to say when I want to say it. I know there's a better way, but I like to, I just, you know, I need to tell my truth. My toys are my toys, and they're not your toys. <laughs> my time is my time, and it's not your time. My space, my area, don't you dare get in it. And don't inconvenience me. So for a lot of us Christians, God's saying, here's the way. Walk in it. I'm giving you a choice. I'm calling you up to a higher calling. I have a better life for you. I have a better way for you. And you have a choice to stay in your way or you have a choice to walk into the better way. And here's the thing. The way we live for God matters. Sometimes you think, well, as long as, as, long as I've said the prayer, then I'm good with God. Everything is like, no, listen, the way we live for God truly matters. Remember, we, we read last week that in, in Revelation chapter 22, the Lord will return and he will give to each one the reward that they deserve. Like he's going to look at our life and see how we lived. And the way we lived the way we live now will matter. Even the way, the way we do things really matter. Because you can do things very, very differently. Even just saying things, you can say things different. And if you're married, you know what that means. You know what I'm saying is true. And you could say the right thing the wrong way. When Angela gets home from a, a, a haircut appointment, she could walk in and I could say, wow, ni- nice haircut. That is amazing. Or I could say, nice haircut. Nice haircut. <laughs> that, would, that would not go over well for me. Or if I would say, hey, is that what you're wearing? I need to know what I should wear. Or I could say, is that what you're wearing? Sometimes the way we're doing something ruins the effect. It ruins the moment. It ruins our effort. We're putting a lot of effort in the wrong way. Sometimes we go to church we try to serve, and we have this duty to do things for God, and we have this checklist that I, I know I'm doing the right things, but you're doing them the wrong way. We love to, tr- we, we want to be right before God. We want to do the right thing, and so we work so hard to do the right thing. And we're just not doing it in the right way. 
We're saying the right things. We may be doing the right things. But he, he didn't say, I am the things. He said, I'm the way. He said, follow me. What is that? That's, we need to do what he did. We need to be doing it the way he did it, not just what he did. Well, Jesus preached. I'll preach. Wait a second. How did he preach? In what way did he do the things that he did? Pastor Craig Rochelle said that the greatest enemy, the life you want, may be the life you're living. It may be the thing that you're doing right now that's keeping you from the thing that you actually want to do. But you need to be, a, you need to be willing to put the diaper down. Come on. I love my blankie. I love my baba. When my kids were little, we called the pacifier the pooty. You need to put the pooty down. <laughs> At some point, you have to leave it. You have to leave it behind. Okay, so here's a trivia question, and if you know this question, don't shout it out. If you know the answer. But in the early church, this is really interesting. When Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, um, this statement actually identifies and defines the early Christians. Even when Jesus uh, ascends to heaven and the, the disciples are left, what, this is, the, this is the trivia question, what are the disciples known as? What? They're not called Christians exactly. Something else. There's another name that refers to the disciples. And it's not just disciples. It's not just those quote-unquote religious people. It's not the church yet. People don't refer to them as church. Even you, you could call them Jesus people, but that's not what they were called. Or Jesus-loving people. We're getting closer. They were actually called people of the way. You see that in the book of Acts. You also see it in other writings outside of the Bible. The people of the way were people who followed Jesus. Why? Because they were the people who lived in the way of Jesus. They were people who lived the same way Jesus lived, not just did the same things he did, not just said the same things he said, not just lived uh, a schedule that he set. Their goal was this. Their goal as disciples and as people of the way was to live and love the way Jesus lived and loved, not just to to live in love because he lived in love, but to do it the way he did it. And so that is the big, that, this is, I'm going to unpack this idea for you. You and I have to live the way. Everybody say the way. We have to become people of the way. We have to embrace a different lifestyle. Everybody say the word lifestyle. What we're talking about is I'm not asking you to just be a Christian. I'm not asking you to just come to church and sit on the fourth row. I'm not asking you to just pick out your chair, make sure you're there every week, and memorize all the songs and say amen a few times during the message. No, what I'm asking you to do is to open up your heart to the idea that the Lord doesn't want you to look a certain way. Or to be in a certain place. He wants you to live a certain way and a certain lifestyle and, and that reflects Jesus. So when we say we're going to follow Jesus, that means that almost like Simon says, we're just going to do what he does. And we're going to do it the way he does it. Think about how Jesus lived. And compare it to how most of us live. That's scary. If you've actually read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, then you know that Jesus' life was probably very different than yours and mine. Jesus, everywhere he went, he was full of joy. Most of us are full of stress. Whew. Most of us <laughs> are worried about the end. Of Jesus said, don't worry. We're worried about the end of the world coming. We're worried about what's happening with politics, what's happening with uh, economics, we're worried about what's happening in our family, our relationships, our marriages. Jesus said, don't worry about any of those things. Your father's going to take care of you. He said not to worry, and we're the most anxious generation. I don't care if you go to church or you're Christian or not. We're a generation that's full of anxiety, depression, and worry. It defines us. 
And it should be the exact opposite because we've embraced ideas. We, okay, here's, we've embraced a theme of life instead of a lifestyle. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get all the right stickers and the right clothes and the right sayings. and the, I, I want to look and act a certain way so that I, I fit a certain theme. But I'm not actually embracing a lifestyle. Because if I did, I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't be stressed out. I'd be full of joy. Jesus was consumed with spending time with his father by getting alone. When things got too busy, he got alone and went, went off by himself. You and I, we can hardly sit down and be still. What happens when we start to be still? Where's my phone at? Uh-oh. If, if I don't have my phone, then I, here goes my leg. I'm going to stop my nervous. Oh, man. <laughs> I, just, I can't be quiet. I can't be still. I can't be quiet for five minutes. Much less, Jesus said, can you not tarry and pray with me for one hour? Our lives don't look like Jesus' life. And then we say, this is not working, God. I'm trying to be a good Christian, but this is not working. Man, this week I just wrote, as I was writing my notes, I wrote down this idea that just popped in my head. I don't want to live a Christian-themed life. I want to live how Jesus lived. I don't want to just be able to know a few verses. And Listen, when you stand before God, he's not going to ask you, did you memorize John 3.16? Do you know it in the King James Version? He's going to want to know, do you know me? Have you been, you've been living the way I asked you to live? You know, when Jesus went somewhere, it says that he, they walked from town to town. So one uh, teacher called him the three-mile-an-hour preacher because that's how fast we walk. He wasn't racing to the next town. Guys, we got to get to 50 cities in 50 days. No, he was going from town to town, and he was taking his time, and he was walking, and when he walked through the crowd, if someone talked to him, he would stop and talk to him. Most of us are going so fast. We don't have time to talk to anybody, much less slow down and have a real conversation that could change someone's life. Much less stop and build a relationship. I don't really have time for, for small groups right now, Pastor Sean. You know, I don't, I don't have time for coffee. I've been working so much. Here, let me ask you this. Most people want to ask, how have you been? Man, it's been a while since we, since we said, how have you been? You know what the number one answer is, and it's not even close to any other answer. Oh, I'm good. I'm just busy. You know, I'm man. I'm so busy. Everything's so, man. I'm just so rush rushing around. Got the kids. Got the job. Got marriage. All, all the stuff. We got a million things that keep us from slowing down. Slow down. We're always overwhelmed. We're always pushing to the next thing. We're always rushed. About a year ago or so, I started being completely transparent with you guys and sharing that I know that I, I know that God's working on me and I know that there's one time in my life where I am not a good person and that's when I'm driving and I'm on the freeway so I started working I want to fix the guy who drives my truck around town because that guy's not me I got <laughs> I, I but I decided I'm going to take responsibility for this guy right and so I know that if I'm driving and someone else is getting, I'm, I turn into a toddler. I turn into, a, like, this is my space. Don't get near it. Don't even look at me. And don't try to slow me down because I have somewhere to be. I'm getting there. So I'm irritated. I'm short-tempered and selfish. And I'll just tell you even more. I, actually, I'm getting a lot better because I've been working on it. But, man, one of my favorite things, because it's a, it's a, crime that doesn't hurt anyone is that I can just call people names. All I call everybody names. They can't hear me. Unless you're driving with me, if you're riding with me, then you get to hear about how everyone else and all the other cars are just absolute idiots. And I get to 
honk my horn and let them know about it. <sighs> Maybe you can relate. So I decided, look, that is not the way Jesus, how would Jesus drive? That just hit me. Like, okay, <laughs> not the Bible. He did drive a donkey for a little bit. He wasn't yelling at people. So how can I be, how can I live the way Jesus lived? Even when I'm driving, how can I, 100% of the time, how can I not be a hypocrite? And so I came up with this simple exercise. It just occurred to me one day. A simple exercise. I'm encourage all of you to do it as well. It just, God, what can I do that will change my paradigm, change my perspective so that in the heat of the moment I can remember who I am? I can remember that I'm trying to mature and I'm trying to be like, how would Jesus drive? So I came up with a simple and very impactful for me <laughs> exercise. And it goes just like this. When I'm driving, instead of telling people how much of an idiot they are, or one of my favorites is to just if they're actually looking at me, I can slow clap at them and just tell them, thank you, thank you. That's not the exercise. That was, that's inappropriate. Just keep both hands on the wheel. Here's the exercise. I started, I started deciding that I'm going, if I have to yell something, I'm going to yell, I'm inconvenienced. <laughs> You're inconveniencing me. And immediately I realize I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm so upset because you inconvenienced me literally two seconds. I could have been Two inches further in traffic. I am inconvenienced. And then I, it feels so petty when you say it. I'm just telling you. It feels so childish to tell someone how inconvenienced. You are inconveniencing me. I feel like, man, that five seconds, I'll never get it back. So I grow up and take a deep breath. And remember, how would Jesus live? He slowed down. He lived slowly and intentionally and purposefully. I want to read you something, and I want you to see if you can see yourself reflected in it, or in my case, in a lot of ways, it's the opposite. 1 Corinthians 13, probably a verse that you've heard a thousand times, but I want you to read it with new eyes today and think about the way you live your life truly. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And I could tell you from personal experience that me driving is the opposite of this. But honestly, if I'm honest with myself, it's not just driving. It's any time that I'm inconvenienced. It's any time that I'm in a hurry and someone pushes me the wrong way or I get short-tempered. The next verse says, It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And notice in this chapter that is completely and totally focused on love and what love looks like and the way love acts. Watch in verse 7. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put, away, I, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Not just grow up, but start growing up in your love. Some of us have such an immature love, and God is love. And yet we want to focus on a million other things, except for the bottom line is God is love. And he said, live like me, talk like me, act like me, do what I do the way I do it. And we do the exact opposite, because for most of us, if we look at words like impatient and unkind and envious and egotistical, prideful, dishonoring, self-seeking, easily angered, those not only describe and define us, but they describe and define most of the churches in America. When what we should be seeing is that the church should be a beacon of love. But we're the, we're the, we're the other. We're the exact opposite. We love Jesus. We don't look like the way he loved. If we were doing Christianity, okay, if, we, if the way we're doing Christianity doesn't look like Jesus, then we're doing it wrong. If we're not doing it the way he's doing it, the way he did it, then we are way off. Are you in a hurry? Are you stressed out? Are you full of emotion and a short fuse? Or do you have the fruit of the Spirit overflowing out of your life. 
Because that's a great indicator. Jesus looked at the fruit tree, at the fig tree, and said, no fruit, I curse you. And yet most of us don't look at my fruit. Don't even think about my, look at yourself. Don't look at my fruit. Why don't we like people looking at our fruit? Because we don't want to look at our fruit. But could we just take an account an inventory of our own fruit. Where do, where, where do we fall on a scale if we were going to be totally honest with ourselves? How, how do I score on a, on a one to ten in love? That would, that would be a tough test to take. Love, joy. Do I have joy in my life or do I just laugh hard when someone tells a joke? Or do I have real joy? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If we were to put all of those things on a piece of paper and give ourselves a score, I think we, if we were honest, we would, be, we would score very low. And here's an even harder test. What if the people around us scored us on that test? Whew, man. What if we cared enough to be accountable and start to really try to live in the way? Sometimes I think the way that we're living for God is destroying our effort. The way that we grind our teeth and focus on, I'm going to go to church. I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to read our Bibles and push people out of our chairs and make sure that no one gets too close to us. And we kind of take the way that we live before Jesus, carry that into our life of faith. Maybe your schedule is destroying your time with God. Maybe your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups and the, the things you've been through in life are breaking down your ability to live as a person of the way. One of the books I read, uh, started reading a few weeks back is... Uh, called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And you, if, if you have read that book or seen that book, you will, see the, um, you will see some of that coming through in this series because there are so many pieces of this book that so many ideas that Jesus just lived different than us. And while we've en- embraced the teachings of Jesus, while we've embraced the salvation and the redemption and the purpose that he gives us, we're not doing life the way he did it. And Jesus said this. I think this is one verse that should define how we live for him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is your walk of faith a walk of rest? Do you feel rested? Do you feel, or do you feel burdened? We could come to church week after week after week after month after year and still feel this heavy weight of burden, and our lives look no different than when we started. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does that mean? (laughs) That means we should follow him. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, take my yoke upon you. This, I'm going to show you a picture of what a, a yoke looks like. A yoke is a piece of wood that goes across the, the neck and shoulders of two ox as they work. And he's describing what, what, what would happen if he becomes your rabbi and you start to follow him and live life the way that he lives. He said, this is easy what I'm doing. I'm going to show you how you can have rest for your soul. But notice he doesn't say, he doesn't describe this lifestyle as like a bed in paradise or a... a um, He's not describing a perfect king-size bed where you could just, you know, feather pillow. No, he says this is a yoke. It's a, it's a work tool. He's saying that you're going to have rest in your soul and it's easy and light while we're working, while we're producing, while we're advancing God's kingdom. 
And Jesus invites us, and I'll invite you today, to a better way, not just of thinking, of living, but a lifestyle where you and I are lighthearted and full of love and full of joy and peace and patience. And we actually become a reflection of who he is and we, t- and we learn from him. That's what he said. You learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. That means that we should be gentle and humble in heart. In the New Testament, Paul says that people will, people will know you by your gentleness. Let you let, be known for your gentleness. So it's less of what you do and more of how you do everything. I'm not here to give you a step-by-step, hey, here's point number one, point number two, point number three, if you'll just do A, B, and C. No. We need to go on a journey. We need to, we need to start walking toward a lifestyle that looks and is the way Jesus lived. How did he live? Let's do that. So what is, we, we're called to, be, to make disciples, to be disciples. What, what does a disciple look like? Here we go, and I'll invite the band to join me back on stage. A disciple means full-time living my life for Christ or in the same way that he lived. Jesus said, you'll be my disciples. Come and follow me. Before we, before we finish this message, before, we, before I let you go, I, just, I want you to think about you as a disciple. In the New Testament, you, the the scripture uses the word Talmudim. That's the word used for a disciple. That's, but it's not just a, we think of a disciple as a student. We think, of a, we think a disciple is somebody who goes and sits in class and learns from the teacher. But to us, you know what a student does? A student listens to the teacher so they can learn all the answers and take a test. That's not what a disciple is. That's not what the Talmudim is. It, uh, it, it's not a student sitting in class learning the right answers. It's someone who's watching the student, watching the teacher, watching the rabbi, someone who's watching Jesus so that I can be just like him. Both of my kids are in college. They're not listening to their professors so that they can become the professor. No, they're just trying to pass the class. Sometimes we sit in church and we just think, man, I got to get past this test. I got to learn the answers for today. Write down in my notes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna conquer this week. Our goal should not be to learn the answers. Our goal should be to become like Jesus. Okay. Scripture: Come, who are, come, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Right. I just put, take on, take my yoke. I want to read that same verse to you, and I want to read it. In the message paraphrase, and I, want, I, I hope that your eyes will be open to see it just a little bit different. He says it this way. Are you tired and worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then watch this. He says, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Guys, that for most of us is not a reflection of our Christianity. That's not my life with God. But it can be if I can walk in the way. And so as not just disciples. A better word, I think, than, than student or disciple is apprentice. Because an apprentice actually watches the teacher so they can become exactly like the teacher. So what does that look like? And I'll close with this. And it's, number one, the disciples or his apprentices wanted to be with Jesus. They were everywhere Jesus went, he was there. They followed. People by the hundreds and thousands followed Jesus everywhere he went. And as they followed him, their goal was to become like him. So the second part is to be with Jesus and then become like Jesus. 
And then ultimately, when I'm like Jesus, even when he's not with me, then I'm going to do what he would do even if he were me. If he wasn't with me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the kinds of things he would do the way he would do them. So I'll ask you in closing, have you experienced a way of living or going to church that feels harder? It's not lighthearted. You're not living the way that Jesus lived. Today's challenge is to embrace his way of living. It's to embrace his heart for people and to let our lives reflect his life. That we become consumed with the things he was consumed with. And we want to live in the way of Jesus. For the rest of this series, we're going to unpack and look into the, uh, from different perspectives. How can I adjust my life and my living and my thoughts so that I can do it the way that Jesus did? Because I want that lighthearted. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to be excited about tomorrow and what he's doing in with me. Would you stand up on your feet and let's close with worship and commit ourselves to living in the way of Jesus and not just having a Christian theme to life. Let's worship together. Today, I want to close by giving every person in the room an opportunity to make a decision to walk in the way. Before us stands two ways of living. We can live for ourselves. We can live in our old way. We can live in what, may, what feels good right now, or we can choose a better way. We can choose life over death. We can choose His way that's higher than our way. So... I would invite every person in the room to just close your eyes and bow your head right where you are. We're going to say a prayer together. And if that's you, just repeat these words after me. And from your heart, exchange your old life for a new one. Exchange your way for his way. And he'll lead you in the way of life. Would you repeat these words after me today? Let's not let anyone pray alone. Dear Heavenly Father, Forgive me for living my way. Today I want to follow you. I want to walk in your ways. Give me your thoughts and lead me into life eternal. Take my life and use me. Make me and mold me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Thank you so much for being here today, and thank you for making a decision that I know 
will change your life and everyone around us. God bless you guys. Pastor Susan, help us close in worship. Wow, if that's the start of this new series, you got to be here every Sunday. That was so good. Can we just give a round of applause for everybody who said yes today? Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you are watching online. We are here for every step of the way with you along your journey. Y'all, he said it is time to quit playing. Put down the tools, the toys, and pick up the tools. Amen? His yoke is easy. And I love that part, Pastor, that said, you know what? The scripture says, I'm not going to give you anything too heavy. Nothing ill-fitting of who I created you to be. He's not going to give you too much. Amen? Just enough to make a difference. We're going to go into our time of giving. If you got your worship guide this morning, you have a tithing envelope in there. There are also ways to give on the screen behind me. And we're going to have our ushers get ready for the bucket. Y'all, we got a lot of ways to give. Amen? But we just want to encourage you that everything that you give, God uses in big ways. Big ways. Even yesterday, we had a whole team of volunteers out there serving our community and those people getting them needs. Amen? to go and run and tell the Word of God. So, so good. Um, I want you guys, is everybody still standing? Because I think we're going to worship just a little bit more. Is that okay with you guys? Amen. We're shaking them gates this morning. Let me pray with you. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you for your reminder and your message on our hearts every single day that we are worth so much more. We are so valuable to you, and there is so much work to be done in your name. (laughs) Excuse me. Lord God, we just thank you for everything that you're blessing in our lives. And we ask you to take this offering, multiply it, Lord God, and do it your way. In Jesus' name, amen. right up front and right on the landing. If your soul is weary, don't leave this building without a touch. Have a wonderful week and we will see you next Sunday.